So Romans chapter 7, and we're uh, beginning in verse 7. He writes, What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means, it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate." Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I... Do what I do not want. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Let's pray together. God, we're, uh, we come humbly before you today uh, just praying for your help in understanding uh, Paul, in, in what he's written here and what the Holy Spirit has written through Paul to, uh, to encourage us and to help us and train us and change us, God, to help us to understand uh, who we must turn to uh, day in and day out. Uh, and so we, uh, we pray uh, over your word today. God, I pray for hearts that have become hard to your word, for hearts that... Uh, that are unwilling to receive, God, for our lives that are often so distracted uh, that we've lost that ability to sit and to understand truth and to read Your Word and to receive um, truth from You and and help and guidance and wisdom from Your Word because we've lost that ability to even read or even um, sit down and, and spend time before You. And so we pray for that to reignite in in our hearts, God, Um, that wherever we're at, that whoever we are, God, that you can give us a passion to study your word. You can give us the ability to sit down 
and to know your truth. And I pray that for each one of us, how important it is that we sit still with you, that we open your word and we humbly ask you to help us and to fill us and to guide us and to lead us. So do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated and uh, keep your Bible open. Uh, Last week we talked about the the new way, uh, the new way of the Spirit uh, versus the old way of the law versus the old dogs um, of the law. And that was Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6. And... um, and today, as I prayed over that passage that we just read and thought about it, and uh, just that idea of failure fatigue kind of came into my heart, into my mind, uh, that we so often struggle in our, in our life, in our walk with Christ, in our, in our life with God, uh, struggle with a desire to, to read the Bible, uh, struggle with a desire to come to church, to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to, you know, do the simplest things for the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and, and it often leads us to, to just give up or, uh, or to neglect the spiritual part of our lives, the eternal part of our life that is so important. Um, and, uh, and so we often just kind of go around feeling that, that type of failure fatigue. Uh, and, I, and I thought about if you've ever looked at, at, at Pinterest, uh, and, uh, and, and there's, there's these uh, Pinterest fails, right? So Pinterest is kind of this creative website. Uh, that you can go to and you can get ideas about like maybe a birthday party. You want to make some cookie monster cookies. Uh, and, uh, and so you see that image or you learn the recipe of how to make a minion or whatever and you try it. Uh, and this is what you're shooting for, but that bottom picture is what you end up with, right? Doesn't look like at all like anything that you started off trying to make. Uh, and, uh, and then that next image, uh, you know, I thought this was a really good one, right? So you got a cat, somebody made a cat cake, and that's their expectation. They see that picture on, uh, on Pinterest. They want to make that cat. And then here's the reality of what they actually make, which looks more like a horror movie cat. <laughs> and, and so is that a great reflection of our spiritual life? We, uh, we come to church and we try to pretty ourselves up and our expectation is, but our reality, our day-to-day trying to walk with Christ it, it just doesn't work, right? Like, here's what they wanted. They wanted that beautiful picture of the baby in the pumpkin. And the reality is the baby cried and threw a fit. And nobody wanted to do that, right? Uh, and so is that, is that our life, right, as Christians? That we are, are trying to put off this image that we've got it all together, that we've got it all figured out. But the truth is, internally, we look like that baby crying in the pumpkin. We, uh, we, we're not at all like what we're really shooting for, what we're really hoping for. And, and that's the heart of, of what Paul is beginning to, to, to say here, is that the law of God, the Old Testament, the law, um, is very good at revealing the sin and failures of the people God created. Uh, And so as we look at that law, even as we look at the life of Jesus, it should do the same thing for us, that we realize, I'm not Jesus. I I can't do it. 
Uh, I'm a failure at that. Uh, and, and, and I don't even have the ability to live the way God created uh, His people to live. And, and that's what the law does for us. Um, it's like those images on Pinterest where there's a person out there that's able to do it perfectly. I'm not that person. I can't do it. It just reveals that my failure and my sin uh, and my inability to live the way God created me to live. He says there in verse 18, for I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. I have the desire to do what's right. So in verse 7, he says, what then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So is the problem the law? Is the problem the Bible? Uh, that That's the problem. Is the problem the picture on Pinterest? Uh, no. That shows us, the Bible shows us what it is to do right, what it is to do wrong. And it reveals to us as humans, as people, that we are in trouble. Look at Isaiah 55, or Isaiah 5, 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. And so that's where we are as mankind. All over, we're saying that all these things are good, while God's law, God's truth in the Bible stands against those things and says those things are not good. But the enemy of the Bible, everybody that's against the Bible just shouts louder. No, it's good. This is good. This is life. This is what it really means to live. And the Bible stands firm saying, no, this is not right. This is darkness. This is taking us away from the way God created us to be. This is not right. And, and, and so we've got to take our stand. What are we going to believe? What are we going to do? In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So why is that struggle there? Because God's ways are not our ways. We have sinned and fallen short of the, of the, uh, of the ways of God. And, and so we struggle because in a, lot, in a lot of times we like our old ways. The world loves the way it is. It doesn't want to change. It doesn't want to recognize that it's headed for destruction. And so we have that perpetual cycle of failure fatigue where we know what we're doing isn't right, but it's all we know, so we just keep doing it wrong. And we just keep going over and over and falling into that sin, in that struggle. And sin has done so much damage to our human nature. The curse from God has done so much damage that it uses the law to rebel against God. And produce more and more sinful temptations and failure. 
And so have you noticed that? That, that you know, when, especially if you tell a child not to do something, well, they're going to do it a hundred times because you told them not to do it. It's, it's that desire. That's what Paul says there. Is that, you know, if, if, if he hadn't known about coveting, then he didn't know it was wrong. But once he learned he's not supposed to covet, that's all he wanted to do was covet. It created this, and that's what he goes on to saying all throughout that chapter, is that struggle. He wants to do the right thing, but he keeps failing, and he keeps doing the wrong thing over and over and over. And he struggles with that. And he, and, and, and it's, and he, you know, he ends saying, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death. I want you to look today. I thought about as I just thought about that damage that what, what sin has done to human nature. In Judges 14, there's Samson. And if you don't know about Samson, study Judges chapter uh, in, in that portion in Judges where it talks about Samson. He has this miraculous birth. His parents couldn't have children. His mom prays for a child. And the Israel needs a, 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 a judge to rise up, someone to deliver them from their sin and, and from the, the enemy's oppression uh, from the Philistines. And so uh, Samson is born miraculously and uh, and he uh, and he, and he, and he had everything he needed. He was the strongest person ever to live, uh, the strongest of the Israelites, and he, uh, he, he was set apart for the things of God. He had all these things going for him, but his life is, is truly a failure because instead of doing what God wants him to do, he goes his own way. It says Samson, you know, this is as he grows up, he went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to Samson, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She is right in my eyes. So there's the heart of his failure. He's looking at things through his eyes. There were lots of options out there for Samson to find a, a, a wonderful woman who would have helped him in his relationship with God, uh, who, you know, they could have helped each other. But no, he wanted someone that God, he knew God didn't want him to have. He wanted the, what was worse for his life. He wanted someone that looked right in his eyes, that went against what God's law taught, that went against what his parents tried to encourage him to do. He rebelled completely. And that's just the beginning of the rebellion of Samson. It just gets worse from there. Uh, look at that story sometime and think about the life of Samson. In Proverbs 5, 21 through 23 for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. We're striving to do what is right in our own eyes. 
instead of repenting of that and realizing that something is dreadfully wrong with us, with people in general. And we like to fall into that false notion that's nowhere in the Bible that people are inherently good. Oh yeah, we're just good old boys and girls, but bad circumstances and things, you know, turn us bad. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In Romans chapter 3, we studied it together. All of sin, there is no one who does what is good. None of us are what God originally intended us to be. We have all fallen short. And we all need salvation. And the law shows us that. Over and over again, look at our culture. I want you to look at what Jesus taught in Mark 10. So they're you know, always trying to trip Jesus up throughout the Gospels. Uh, and so one of the things they bring up is the marriage relationship and, and divorce and all these things. So Jesus gives us a very clear teaching uh, of what it is uh, to, to be in a marriage relationship. What is sexual morality uh, for a follower of Jesus Christ? Here it is. Because, Jesus said, the hardness of your hearts, He wrote this commandment, and this was about Moses and divorce, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Our, our society alone today, way rebelling against that. So what do we do? We should just say, you know what? This is what Jesus taught. God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, for they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so all kinds of uh, ways that our society has rebelled against that simple teaching. What is it? What is sexual morality? What is it? How is it done the right way according to the way God created us? It's between one man and one woman who are in a forever marriage relationship till death do them part. They become one flesh. Everything outside of that is not what God intended. Everything outside of that is going to bring trouble and heartache and, and, and end in destruction. And so what, what should I focus on as a Christian? What Jesus taught. I don't have to get mad at people that are living against God's ways. I don't have to start, you know, just teach what Jesus taught. Stand for what Jesus taught. Stay faithful to what Jesus taught. Uh, and, and yet, the whole culture, the whole world rebels against that. And that shows us the law. We didn't know what it was to covet until the law said, do not covet. And then Paul struggled with that. And, and that's what our society is, is, is doing today. And that's what we do today as sinners. We rebel against what God's Word teaches. The law shows us that. And so what Paul is saying here is the law humbles us through these failures. And drives us to salvation in Jesus Christ. And that should be our heart. We stay true to what God's Word says. We stand strong in what God's Word says. We, hold, we, we believe it. We teach it. And, uh, and we pray for strength to live according to it. And when we fail, we run to Jesus Christ for help and strength and courage to, uh, to, to not give up, to stay strong in Him. 
Right? The law is going to humble us. The Word of God humbles us. And it drives us, I need a Savior. That's what Paul comes to. Wretched man that I am. Well, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? I need a Savior. Because I want to do everything that goes against what the Bible teaches. So the law is either going to humble us and drive us to Jesus Christ, or here's what the law does. The law hardens us. Today, as God's Word is taught and as we read God's Word, it has power. That doesn't come from me. It has power on its own. It doesn't need me. And the law is either going to humble you and drive you closer to Jesus Christ or it's going to harden you. God's Word is going to harden you today. And you're going to say, I'm going to go rebel. I'm going to go against God harder than I ever have. I'm going to fully embrace a self-centered worldview. And that's what the world has done. They know what the Bible teaches. They mock the Puritans that started the country. They mock uh, the, the Word of God in Bible passages. And they go against it. They celebrate a godless lifestyle. They do what they think is right in their own eyes. And they're striving to teach our children to do what's right for them in their own eyes. And rebel wholeheartedly against God. And live a self-centered lifestyle. Do what's right for you. Do what feels good to you. All those messages are, you know, go against God's Word. Go against what Jesus taught. I want to read to you a quote from Matthew Henry who wrote a Bible commentary way, way back in the 1800s. And it's a, uh, it, it has some strange language sometimes, but it's a great one. He says, Many a precious soul splits upon the rock of salvation. So you think about that, just uh, you know, throwing something at a rock, throw a watermelon at a rock, and it splits. So uh, here's 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 salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And a lot of people split upon that rock. They can't they can't have that. There's got to be another way. They want to do what's right in their own eyes. They don't want to humble themselves before a savior. And he says in the same word which to some is an occasion of life, is an occasion of death unto death. The same sun that makes the garden flowers more fragrant makes the dunghill more noisome, which means stinky. I had to look it up. I'm like, I don't know what that word means. Right? So you think about the manure pile. Have you ever driven through Dublin or Stephenville on a fragrant day, right? You're like, whoa, wow, that's a... That's it. So that same sun that makes the manure pile stinkier, makes it uh, more obnoxious, is the same sun that makes the garden flowers smell better. The same heat that softens wax hardens clay. In the same child, Jesus Christ, was set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. The way to prevent this mischief is to bow our souls to the commanding authority of the Word and law of God, not striving against it, but submitting to it. Not striving against it, but submitting to it. I want to ask you today, have you ever 
experience the failure fatigue that Paul is describing here in Romans 7. Have you experienced that? Look at that cat image again. Is that your expectation? Maybe you're trying to show us this is who I, this is who I look like today, but on the inside, that's, that's my reality. That's where I'm living. Have you felt like nothing good dwells in you? Regardless of how hard you try to do what's right, you try to be a better person, be a better employee, be a better Christian, be a better whatever, husband or wife or whatever, no matter how hard you try to do, you fail. And you fall back into sin, into fear, into selfishness, and you fall back time and time and time again. Have you experienced that? I want to encourage you today to remember in the midst of that, in the midst of feeling like that cat, Jesus on the cross said, It is finished. It's finished. If you've put your trust in Him, and, and, and He is yours, and you know you believe in Him with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, He did it. He finished it on the cross. You don't have to. You can rest in Him. He said, come to Me. My burden is easy. Right? My yoke is light. Come to Me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. He finished it on the cross. You can trust in Him. You don't have to measure up anymore. You don't have to try to be better than, than your neighbor. You don't have to try to, uh, to, to, to do whatever to try to make yourself look like you're something you're not for other people. Just be His. Just rest in Him. Just trust in Him. He said on the cross in John 19.30, It is finished. You can't add to the work that Jesus has done. You can't make Him love you any more or any less. All you can do is make yourself miserable by trying to measure up to other people and please people and make people happy. Please Him. Worship Him. Thank Him that it is finished. Believe this, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, God has begun a good work in you. Believe that. When you believed in Jesus God has begun a good work in you and He will overcome all failures to bring His work to completion. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Put your trust in Him. Not in what you've done. Not in the good works that you're doing. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. He's working even through the hardship, even through the failure, even through the struggle, He is working. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let Him do that. Trust Him to do that. Believe in Him. Allow feelings of failure to empower you. To live in humble dependence on daily strength from God. We're going we're gonna to struggle just like he does in Romans 7. Where if Paul struggles, surely we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle with feelings of failure, with actual failures. But if we allow those things to drive us to Him, 
to bring us closer to God, to humble ourselves before Him, to depend on Him for daily strength. That's the victory. That's the victory. Look at Matthew 6.13. He says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Part of the Lord's Prayer. Is that a prayer you're praying daily? Seeking His heart. God, I go towards evil. I'm prone to wander, like that old hymn says. I'm prone to wander. Uh, lead me not, Lord. Help me. Guide me in the midst of that. I know I'm going to face temptation today. I'm going to face evil today, even within my own heart, my own flesh. Deliver me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. In Proverbs 16, 18, and the sermon note put six, forgot the one. 16, 18, pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. So when we start feeling like I've got this, it's all I'm I'm strong Christian. I've been a Baptist all my life. I'm good. I've got you better be ready for the fall. You're about to fall off that high horse. Right? Like what's what when Saul, when Paul was Saul and and he was rebelling against Christians, he was on his high horse to go arrest Christians, and God humbled that man. And for the rest of his life he was sold out for the Lord. And, uh, and that's us. We better be ready. You might be on that high horse. You might think you're better than everybody else, but you're going to be humbled. Life is going to humble you. Your own body's going to humble you. One of these days, that's coming. That humility's coming. And we're either going to get better by trusting in Jesus Christ or we're going to get bitter. Right? And things are going to get worse for us. So that fall is coming. We better humble ourselves before God in 1 Corinthians 10:12 Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall It's so important as believers that we live in humble dependence and daily strength from God humble dependence on him allow or always remember God will deliver you through Jesus Christ our Lord when you feel that way, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? I feel awful. My thoughts are awful today. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm whatever. Who's going to deliver me? Remind yourself, Jesus. Jesus Christ, my Lord, is going to deliver me, has delivered me, is delivering me, will deliver me forever, eternally. I don't have to worry about this body. I don't have to trust in these feelings because my trust is in the Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Galatians, Paul says, don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The only way to truly be a failure is to give up, is to turn away, is to go the way of the world, is to decide that you want to do what's right in your eyes, the very eyes that God gave you, created, right? He, we're fearfully, wonderfully made. God stitched us together in our mother's womb. 
And we decide, hey, I don't care about who created these eyes. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's the only way to truly be a failure in this life is to reject God, is to go your own way. So we encourage you today, whatever you're going through, remember the victory is in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't put your trust in Him today, we encourage you to do that. As we close this service, begin to talk to Him. God, You created me. You gave me this body. You gave me this heart. And I have sinned and fallen short. Just tell God that. I need You. I humble myself before You today. Come into my heart and save me. And You begin that daily walk with the Lord. God, we come before You today just confessing our failure. As we study Your Word, if we're looking at it rightly, we realize that we fall short. And God, we need salvation. We need strength. We need Your power to do what You're calling us to do with our lives. So God, as believers here today, help us be mindful of the humility that we must walk in. The daily strength that we need from You. Help us as we struggle to give that struggle to You. Help us as we worry to bring those worries to You. Help us as we fear to bring those fears to You. And to remember that You are Almighty God. To remember that on the cross You cried out, It is finished. And God, help us to trust in Your finished work. Jesus, we thank You that the sinners that are here today, that You're seeking them. Those that are here today that have rejected You, You haven't rejected them. That Your arms are open. And that if they would but come, You would save their lives today. God, if there are hard hearts in here today, we pray that Your truth would soften and that people would humble themselves before You. And so God, as we close this service, help us to get real. And help us to invite You in to change and transform our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray.